and you are listening to Fatcast. I am Leslie, and with me, as always, is Marianne. Woo! Um, this episode is the sexy episode. <laughs> I kind of wanted you to, instead of going woo, I kind of wanted you to go ooh. <laughs> I don't think I can ever do that again, actually. I may not ever be able to woo, either. <laughs> Oh, where's your spirit of adventure, Marianne? (laughs) Well, it's in my pants. (laughs) So, yeah, we're talking about um, sexy times, and we're going to take some questions that were previously submitted via Twitter and the Tumblers. Um, And, you know, general, a couple of general things as well. Yes, of course. Um, Where do we want to start, Ms. Marianne? Well, this this subject is a big one. It's a huge one. (laughs) It's so fat. (laughs) Okay, now, now this is this is what I was worried about. I was worried that Marianne would giggle like a twelve-year-old throughout the entire recording of the Sexy Times podcast. Never. So let's let's put on our serious grown-up faces. I ha- serious grown-up faces. Whatever, sex is funny. It's it is. That's true. And weird. Some of the best. Some of the best sex is sex that involves lots and lots of laughter. Although it's- also some of the worst sex is sex that involves lots and lots of laughter. <laughs> so your mileage may vary. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, where do, where should we start? Okay, I do kind of want to start with um, some follow-on stuff from the previous podcast, mm-hmm. uh, just because logically that makes sense. Uh, one of the things that was asked of us was um, we spent a lot of time talking about, like, well, you know, I hit on this guy or I was flirting with this person. And the sort of question was, how do you do that? Shall I take that one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I suspect that we have differing methods. Oh, I'm sure. I'm so sure. So I'm do. I'm all like nosy and curious about about your flirting technique, Leslie. Um, I literally going back to being a child. I mean, and I mean like a small child. Um, have been a notorious flirt. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't think I ever specially learned it. Um, in high school, I would... You didn't like, take that elective? I did not take that elective. <laughs> in high school, I, like, you know, my friends would make fun of me, like, every time we went to, you know, I mean, we were in high school, so we went to dinner at places like Fridays all the time. And the joke was always, Leslie's going to flirt with the waiter now. And it wasn't even something that I did consciously. It it just sort of happened. <laughs> And, I mean, even to this day, it still happens. And I think that, you know, in my case, I don't have, like, a strategy. It just, it it just, it's part of how I interact with people. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am a terrible, 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 incorrigible flirt with everyone. I mean, like, seriously, there's, there's, like, I have flirted with, yeah, you don't even want to know. <laughs> Why do we why do we always qualify it with terrible when one means fantastic? <laughs> yeah. When one means really effective and really quite good at this and applies it in a broad number of situations. Yeah, yep, I don't know. I think because I have been teased about it so much in my life, 
Um, like, I mean, literally every close friend that I've ever had that I've spent large amounts of social time with has at one point or another teased me about being a flirt. And I, I, I don't, it's, it's like, it's a fucking magic I have <laughs> in my jeans. I don't know. And it's actually in sometimes. In your jeans or in like your jeans? In my, in my pants. <laughs> it's, in your I right pants? In my pants. You don't wear <laughs> pants, Leslie. Well, I mean, pants like is in drawers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so Leslie keeps her flirting in her underpants. I do. I, and honestly, I mean, I, I, I've, I've had friends who have actually asked me this question before because I, it is, I want to acknowledge, it is really difficult to, if you're not naturally a flirtatious person, it can be rough to, like, sort of yeah. steal yourself to go out and do that and to be, you know, happy and gregarious and outgoing, even if you're not necessarily feeling it. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I do want to recognize that I'm not just taking this shit for granted, but although it has gotten me into trouble <laughs> more than once. So there is a downside. <laughs> what but is what, the downside? The downside is when I compulsively flirt with people just for, because I do it for fun. I don't do it because, I mean, I've done it to pick up people, obviously, but you yeah. know, probably nine times out of ten, I'm not trying to pick up the person. I'm just flirting because it's a good time. And yes. the downside to that, and I'm sure there's, like, lots of people, like, scowling at their, their computer speakers right now thinking, you're like that bitch that flirted with me, and I thought that she was into me, and, and she wasn't. Yeah, that's kind of, I don't mean to lead people on, but I will flirt, and, you know, then they'll, like, ask me out or hit on me, and I'll be like, ah, oh, no, I'm just flirting, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, now lots of people are going to hate me. We have me. kind of a cultural, <laughs> yes, I'm sure that's exactly how people are going to respond. They're going to hate that me. That bitch Leslie. Oh. Yeah. I represent every person that has ever done that to you now. <laughs> I, it's, not no, I, perp- it's not intentional. I'm not trying to hurt feelings. I'm just having a good time, man. <laughs> well, I think we, I, I think we as an American culture and maybe other cultures do this to you i don't know you know I, I live in florida so i can really only speak to me to like my situation but it seems like we have no ability to appreciate casual flirting just as a fun thing it's like it's either always got to lead to something or it's terrible yeah and really it's just a fun thing that you can do yeah it's completely but i mean going fun. back to like going back to that whole um rant we had about the capital R romantics. Yeah. I think it's also it's it's so condemned because we romanticize jealousy and possessiveness and we want to be efficient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, flirting for fun is not really efficient. Doesn't get shit done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're I think you're right and I think that you know, it's flirting for a purpose is a little different. I think in fairness, I think in order to learn to flirt for a purpose, you have to first learn to flirt for fun. Yes. Because once you get that, that level of comfort, and the thing is, flirting has nothing to do with what you look like, um, how you're dressed, uh, whether you're in a bar or at the corner store. Um, flirting can happen pretty much anywhere with anyone that you meet. Yes. And, you know, it, it can be, it can be good. I mean, it, practice it sounds weird like you know you're flirting with the old guy at the no register. you know who the best flirts are little old men oh yeah exactly it's they and, have been doing that shit a long up. time yeah. 
you totally, totally go out in the world and just practice being, you know, outgoing and, and, and trying to make comments and trying to engage people in conversation. That's a type of flirt. And I don't mean engage people in conversation like I do where I'm like, you know, I, I start raging about political topics and people run. <laughs> I mean, this, this, these are, this is my problem is I have these two dramatically different spectrums. I have, you know, over-intellectual, analytical pain in the ass and then I have lighthearted flirt and there's basically nothing in between <laughs> which is probably why I had a big you know my flirting even when I would pick people up successfully it never went very far after that because you know my 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 true nature would manifest itself but but your seriously. true nature like you're a vampire I totally sort of yeah yeah I'm an intellectual vampire <laughs> But yeah, no. Go out, go out in the world, and you know, flirt with people. Just flirt, flirt with people that you're not interested in. Uh, flirt with people that you are interested in. Just getting comfortable with that, and just learning to do it for fun, and 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 to be socially, you know, ebullient is is a good step in terms of learning to do it in a way that is truly effective for ensnaring a lover. <laughs> ensnaring yes because that's what you want to do that, that's wanna, exactly you want... what you want to do like a spider so that you can inject them with your digestive juices I was actually thinking of like a tiger trap where you lead them to the pit that you've put palm fronds over and they fall down and there's spikes at the bottom <laughs> <laughs> but I like tigers well that's why you put them in the hole <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> anyway, you are you are still like, and then you go flirt with each other or do whatever. And I think that yes, absolutely, people have to do that. But for people who have no idea what the like nuts and bolts of flirting consists of, um, there's some really simple things. I know these things because I read Cosmo when I was like eight years old. It was so did I. It it was my aunts. Mm-hmm. It was they were there. Um, <laughs> And Cosmo in the 80s was full of, like, how to catch your guy's attention. So it I can't say Cosmo have... never did anything for me, but... It also was full of porny, like, novel excerpts. Yes, it was. I'm glad you remember that, too, because that's seared into my fucking consciousness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, pray continue. <laughs> <laughs> and here we were thinking Lady Mags had done nothing for us. <laughs> Um, (laughs) So the nuts and bolts of flirting is really simple. It is based upon giving your attention to someone because people like it when you pay attention to them. And a lot of times when I am talking interestedly with someone, they will misconstrue that as flirting because (laughs) there's a really low bar for flirting. (laughs) If you are listening actively to someone, and by actively listening, I mean um, there's some body language cues that go along with that, like nodding, inserting, you know, noises or words of groans. (laughs) Not groans, but (laughs) moans of appreciation. (laughs) No, like... Sorry, okay, sorry. I'm shutting up. like a 12-year-old and derailing everything. Oh I'm, my I'm muting myself now. Okay. No, you're not. No, when somebody is saying and you're like, oh, yeah, totally, or uh-huh, you know, those sorts of noises of acknowledgement let people know that you are 
actively listening, that you're taking in what they're saying and you're processing it. Um, a lot of people lean forward when they're at, I'm doing it right now, actually. Oh, interesting. A lot of people lean forward when they are sort of actively engaged with another person. And especially in our culture where we're all sort of distant from one another because we're trying to be cool, that sort of, I don't know, focused attention can be can be taken as very flattering and as as, as very flirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also eye contact is a basic one. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to actually look at the person, um, which can be which actually can be challenging for some people. Yes, absolutely. if you're if you're a shy person, um, you can get the leaning forward. You can get the you know ascent noises. You know all of that down. But sometimes making consistent eye contact with someone is because I have trouble with it with strangers. Mm-hmm. where, you know, it, it literally will take me a couple of minutes to be like, look at, look at their eyeballs, look at their eyeballs, look at their eyeballs. <laughs> because it doesn't, you know, come, my natural inclination is to, you know, like, ooh, the sun is pretty, or, oh, I like the color of my dress today, or whatever. It's, it's a challenging thing, and I think one reason women especially are told, or not even told explicitly, but one reason we're not really encouraged to do it is because it can be a very challenging thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, when animals face off, you know, yeah. one of the things they do is stare each other down. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to get involved in like a I'm not blinking staring contest, but mm-hmm. you do want to make eye contact. Um, Cosmo and the other lady mags recommends, you know, glancing coyly away and whatever, big fucking cheese ball. Um you don't have to, like, gaze longingly up through your lashes at someone. You just, you know, make contact, acknowledge their existence. You can also, if you're comfortable with it, casual touch is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that can just be, like, a touch on the arm to acknowledge someone's presence. Um, you're really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, you have all these practical examples, and I'm like, I don't know, what the fuck ever. It is <laughs> It's, I... <sighs> I do my fucking research, man. I was a weird little kid. I'm impressed. I think it's awesome. I think it's really <laughs> useful. Like, I'm listening to this thinking, yeah, yeah, that does totally work when people do that to me. Yeah, like, you somebody know? touches me on the arm, and I'm like, wow, we're like buddies now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't do a lot of casual touch in American society. Mm-hmm. And I think that in close friendship groups, I have some friends that are huggy as hell, and it's really nice. But... Outside of that, I mean, if somebody, you know, at a party reaches over and, you know, touches your arm because they want to acknowledge the point that you've just made, that comes across as a really big deal. Yeah. And is, in many ways, a clear signal of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you can also just lie and say you remember them from a class that's their new phone number yeah you can go up to them you can go up to them whilst you know sitting in a ramshackle diner in in boston 15 years ago (laughs) actually not 15 like like 12 years ago but whatever and pretend you know them and and they'll be so bewildered that they'll just believe you yeah and Uh. it's but i mean you it's a ballsy choice, but you mm-hmm. can do those sorts of ludicrous things. It's, yeah. it's, I it was leaves reading, an impression. It does. It does. I was reading about, no, okay, so we were watching documentaries on Netflix, Netflix Instant Watch, 
And I watched this thing that I thought was going to be about pre-Civil War burial rituals, but was really about the home burial movement in America today. Is there something about pre-Civil War burial rituals? Because I really want to watch it. There's not! I was kind of disappointed. But it's a really interesting documentary in and of itself. It's about people who choose to, like, die at home and um, have their loved ones, like, process the body, basically, for burial. Because you don't have to go to a morgue in a lot of states. Mm-hmm. Um so it was surprisingly depressing because it was all about getting to know these people and then watching them die and have their families have their funerals. But one of the um, one of the guys was like 90-something years old, and he was talking about when he met his wife. They'd been married for, you know, 70-something years. Wow. And he was relating how they met, that he went up to her and he was like, what time should I come by your house tonight? Uh, you know, 7 or 7.30, and she's like, I don't even know your name. And he was like, I, I don't know yours either yet. <laughs> and I was like, that's smooth. <laughs> you know, and he came by, and he picked her up, and they went on a date, and the rest was a 70-something-year marriage. What but, you, what, sorry, go ahead. But it takes a certain, I don't know, <laughs> a certain self-confidence to pull off things like that, I think. Well, that's, I was just about to say, like, what do we think about pickup lines? Because there's such a fine line between something that is, I mean, because all of them are cheesy as hell. I think we can agree on that. But some people can pull them off really effectively. Yeah. And some people cannot. Like, you know, some guy comes up and, you know, gives you the nice shirt line, which we all know how that one is. No, the n- nice boots line. Oh, that's that's the goth version. That is the goth version. <laughs> for, for anyone who's not familiar with it, the line is, you know, that's a really nice shirt or boots. Um, it would look great crumpled up on the floor next to my bed. Oh, see, no, the goth version I always learned was nice boots. Wanna fuck? Oh, yeah, I know that one. Yes, I love that one. Yeah. 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 That one's that's, that's like the goth they called it the goth mating call. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Which is I a li- and it's a little more straightforward than the whole the shirt one. Yeah. But I mean that's that's it's it's a, you know, really, really cliched example, but um delivered in the right way, it can be very charming. In the wrong way you come across like a skeevy, scary person. So And, <laughs> and I think that what like what makes it you know successful or not is situational like knowing when to roll out with that yeah and that is dependent upon practice yeah so once again you're gonna have to like practice practice with your friends whatever I'm a firm believer in like situational role play um you know so practice Hey, See Marianne, Marianne, was your daddy a thief? <laughs> because he stole the stars and put them in your eyes. <laughs> See, you're charmed right now. <laughs> but I'm a cheesy individual. <laughs> so that sort of crap works on me. <laughs> you know, it takes a certain like self-awareness of cheese for me yeah. to really fall for it. But, you know, it works. So <laughs> so you can play with pickup lines. You figure out what works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I I have successfully picked people up in bars before just by looking at them. Mm-hmm. You know, making eye contact across a crowded room. And then they come over and they talk to you. Yeah. And then you get to the sexy part. I mean, there are a lot of coded signals for, you know, trying to get someone's attention, trying to indicate that you're interested in talking to them. And when, you know, they happen in a circumstance where that's, you know, likely to be the case, like, say, a bar where people tend to assume that people there want to meet other people, um, they can work. I mean, I, I've actually, this is awful, but I've had friends who have had really luck, really good luck reading books about yep. how to be a flirt or how to pick people up. And, yeah, I'm sure some of them are, are skeevy and gross, but, you know, for the most part, it's going to give you basic cues and things like, you know, if you meet, if you catch some guy's eye at the bar three, like three times in a row, odds are pretty good he's probably going to come over and talk to you at some point. Yeah. Because if he keeps looking back at you, now, unless you have like a, a you know, like a beaver strapped to your head or something. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> then he you might be, be looking at you because of the beaver and not because it had to be a beaver, didn't it? <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I meant like a wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> a wolverine and a beaver for... are really different animals. For some reason, all I can think is <laughs> I actually, okay, so one of my favorite Christmas oh presents my... ever, no. and I was in my 20s, and I thought it was hysterical. Um <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have teddy bears when I was a kid. I I had like weird little animals um, and always have um, when I have ever had stuffed animals. I'm not really a collector of stuffed animals. But one year for Christmas, I got a little stuffed beaver. <laughs> and I was old enough to think that was the funniest thing in the entire <laughs> world. I still have it. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to hurt myself. <laughs> oh, now I'm the 12-year-old. <laughs> eh. <sighs> yeah, feel, so yeah. right. <laughs> feeling this. This is educational. But so sorry, if somebody sorry, has sorry, contact with you across the room three times, you also have to indicate some sort of receptivity to that, right. which is where your ability to make eye contact comes into play. And to yeah. smile and to, you know generally look a little more friendly. Yeah. So uh, so that's my flirting 101. I think it, that was actually really awesome and very practical and useful. <laughs> well, I'm I am a surprisingly practical person sometimes, and that would be like my little Mary Poppins spiel: practically practical in every way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, once you have successfully attracted someone mm-hmm. for something um <laughs> you you kind of need to i guess go into it figuring out what you want to do i mean mm-hmm. is this some sort of long-term relationship or is this some like fun for the evening like is it a casual partner what is it um i think everyone's expectations need to be kind of on the same page before you get down to actually having sex with someone 
I think that's sometimes hard to tell, too, though. Like, when you first meet someone, and you know you want to fuck them, and you go home with them, and you fuck them. And sometimes, you know, it's nobody knows yeah. where it's going from there. And I think that, you know, the risk of that is that, well, you might get your feelings hurt. Because if, you know, the next day you decide, oh, wow, I really like this person. I, I might like to date them. And that person is like, get the fuck out. Don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's putting you in a, an unpleasant situation. Yes, it is. So um, I think sometimes. That... Go ahead. I'm like, sometimes you, you, sometimes mistakes are made, basically. But and I think, you go yeah. home with the wrong person. Or not yes. even the wrong person, because, you know, you had a good night. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, didn't end up the way you wanted it to. And that's, you know, but like I said, very often going into those circumstances, we don't know what we want from them. And yeah. sometimes we don't know what we don't want from them until it happens. And then we're like, wow, we didn't want that. Yeah, like I didn't want to get kicked. Like I didn't want to get kicked out at seven o'clock in the morning. It was not on my, you know, list of of ways I wanted to spend, you know, Sunday morning. But I didn't even get any eggs, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so you know that's that's always that's always worth considering. But yeah, so you <laughs> get you get down, you get down, you know, you meet this person, and um, eventually, for whatever reason, you decide that you want to fuck in some way. And that's where we come to the sexy part <laughs> of this podcast. You're still like a 12-year-old. As we get into the sexy part of the podcast, I do want to address one of the things we talked about last time was the difference between fat admirers and fat fetishists. Mm-hmm. And um, I, th- I thought it would it would be good to sort of revisit that because I know that there was some extended discussion on it um, okay. online words mean things. Mm -hmm. And I think when people in common parlance say fetish, what they really mean is kink. Mm -hmm. Because a fetish is not just having a preference for something. You know, I have a preference for, you know, stocky guys. I... I, I I don't consider that a, a fetish, you know. Mm. It's it's a preference. Um, when people prefer fatties, that's a preference. It's not a fetish. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. Uh, the sort of proper definition of fetish involves having an, I guess, what a psychologist would consider an abnormal dependence upon a specific. Thing or act or characteristic. Yeah. It is not, I really only date fatties because that's what I prefer. It's if I date anyone other than a fatty, I can't get off. Yeah. The, I believe the APA, or I don't know if it's the APA actually, it might be, um, what's the mental disorders book? I always forget what the anagram is the for. The DSM before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I yeah, think the... It's one of those big-ass books that talks about shit that's wrong in your brain, and most of it is bullshit. But there's yeah, one of the them. DSM-4. <laughs> there's one of them that, um, and I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe defines fetish explicitly as a, a required component for someone to be able to achieve a climax, by which we mean yeah. orgasm. So fat yes. fetishism means 
actually, it, it doesn't always necessarily come down to, um, you know, not caring about the person or only caring about the fat. It's more an issue of requiring the fat in order to get off, like you said. Right. And and that ultimately at its barest. Now we obviously have other cultural. Uh, connotations that we associate with fat fetishism, some of which are stereotypes and some of which are not. But you know, I mean, that's that's the at its basis point. The point of the of the concept of a fetish is that you need that. Like, if you have a foot fetish, feet have to be involved for you to orgasm. That's how yeah. that's how you know medical science defines it, or you know psychological yes. science or with it. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's really important to point out that that does not make someone a bad person. Just no. because someone is, you know, In fetishizing kids. fat to that degree, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean they aren't also looking for somebody that they can have a personal relationship with. Exactly. And I think that we have... I think that we have a lot of negative connotation towards the idea of a fat fetish because of the abnormal terminology. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's also something that maybe we don't want um, that we feel is a bit personal. Like some people enjoy being objectified, but it, some people have a problem with being involved in objectification to that degree. Yeah. And I think the other important thing to note is that fetishism is viewed in, in within, you know, the scientific literature as something that is deviant. That's why we don't talk about having like a penis fetish yeah. um, or having a, you know, vagina fetish because these are considered the, the normal, you know, things to be obsessed with when you are having sex with someone. Yeah. Um, fetishism as a concept is supposed to be something that is not quote unquote normal within, you know, mental health ideas. Um, yeah. That's not something that's normal for you to be interested in as a, you know, sort of focal point in a sexual engaged situation, for yeah. lack of a better word. <laughs> so, for sexicological ruminations. Sexicological. <laughs> so, again, I mean, I, I think I, I am, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm coming off as a big like fetish defender, but well, I I I mean like I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with it. No. I mean, in, as far as individuals go, there's going to be creepers of every variety. Yeah. And if something makes you uncomfortable, you know, I think sometimes we need to do the work of unpacking why it makes us uncomfortable. But that doesn't mean that you have to like go for it. Mm-hmm. So Con- consenting adults, man. I mean, that's that's ultimately what, what it comes down to. Yeah. If people are informed and consenting, then it's none of my business whether I think they're weird or creepy or not. And, you know, I don't get to pass judgment on what other people do with their private time. Yeah. So I, I go ahead. I think it does all of us a disservice to say, oh, he likes fatties. He's a fetishist. Like it's a disservice to fatties because it casts attraction to us as abnormal it's a disservice to people who just have that preference Mm -hmm. because it casts them as abnormal and it's a disservice to fetishists yeah because it casts them as you know deviants who are only out for one thing with no interest in a person Mm -hmm. i don't know that shoe fetishists get the same like skeevy response 
Well, and let's, you know, let's let's note, too, that an abusive relationship is an abusive relationship. And that fetishism itself is not necessarily abusive. Now, are there relationships that have to do with fetishism that are abusive? Of course there are. There are relationships that have nothing to do with fetishism that are abusive. So you can't really conflate, because I know that that's something when we talk about fat fetishism or any kind of sexual fetish in a negative way, there's always this sort of underlying, you know, well, it must be an unhealthy, you know, abusive relationship. And it could be, but it's if it is, it's probably not because of the fetish. It's probably fucked up for other reasons. Yeah. Um, we did just have a question come in on Twitter that is incredibly apropos. When will I feel like dudes who are into me aren't fatty fetishists? And it's hashtagged self-esteem fail, which I think kind of answers that question in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's not dependent on what other dudes do. It's dependent on, you know, working on your own self-esteem and getting to a place where you can accept that, yes, people are attracted to you. And sometimes it comes down to making the decision that I am not going to make this assumption about people. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let my lizard brain rule my intellect you have to dig yourself and understand why other people dig you sunshine yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay leslie is a creeper now (laughs) why is that creepy i don't know it was something about the tone of your voice oh okay it was predatory (laughs) i'm (laughs) all right you're not a creeper i love you this whole podcast is going in a weird ass direction And but so also fetishism, feederism, not the same thing. Yeah, that's that's a big important one, too, that um, feederism can be problematic for lots of reasons, even if it is consensual, just because, you know, that's that's, uh, you know, I don't know. It just I don't know. I've I've got I've got a lot of baggage and, and messed up ideas associated with feederism. That, you know, I want to believe, and I think I said this in the last podcast, I want to believe that that can happen in yeah. a healthy, non-abusive way. I don't know that it ever has. <laughs> Far be it from me to deny the possibility, but, yeah. yeah. Sunshine. <laughs> okay, rubber duck. <laughs> All right. Onward. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I had, okay, this is another question via Tumblr. I had a dude tell me he has a quote unquote hard time going down on bigger girls because apparently my fat vulva gets in the way of him accessing my clit and breathing and stuff. Is that bullshit? I kind of suspect it is. That's total fucking bullshit. Yeah, that's like, so much bullshit that I'm surprised he did not smell of it. That That's, A, a fat vulva makes a lovely pillow on which to rest your, you know, forehead during breaks in pleasuring, for one thing. So let's have a little appreciation for the fat, you know, mons of the world, because they're giving you a nice, soft, pleasant, warm place to rest your little cheek. Pushin' for the pushin'. <laughs> Is a cliche for a reason. Yeah. So let's just say that, you know, that's that there there are awesome benefits to your fat anatomy, just as there are awesome benefits to having non fat anatomy. Yes. Um dude I, needs to learn A, dude needs to learn anatomy better. I suspect he may not be very good. Yeah. At all <laughs> 
if he has that much trouble sort of accessing and locating the clitoris. And I mean, I'm a huge fat ass. And I admit that my, you know, my my clit is not like flapping out in the breeze at any point, but it's not hard to find. I mean, it's it's there. You just got to know where to look. I got to say that whole like the clit is so hard to find, like reputation just baffles me. I've certainly never had a problem. I've ne- well, I think it's men mostly that say it. I don't know many women who have been like, I don't know where my clit is. Well, I mean, having having had sex with other women, I haven't had any trouble finding theirs either. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> I think men are are, are freaked. I think it's like that whole vagina dentata fear, which I believe was either Freud or Jung. I forget. You know, the idea that like men are scared that the vagina is just going to open up and swallow them whole and they'll be dead. And I read you know. the best short story once about this guy who was kidnapped by some hillbillies <laughs> with actual teeth in their vagina. That and always goes well. <laughs> yeah. Well, the youngest one helped him escape and whatever. And like the happy ending is that he was a dentist. <laughs> if if we were if this were like text based there would be like dot 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 <laughs> I read this short story like in middle school I wish I could remember what it was I bet if you googled it someone else has been traumatized by it <laughs> but yeah no in 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 all seriousness um got and and you know I'm sure if if he I like to think if he's going down on you repeatedly he's probably a really nice guy and you like him um so you might consider helping him a might be useful if you actually helped him find yeah. which um your clip which actually in very often is an incredible turn on for your partner to begin yeah. with um so you know consider giving him a hand with that and you if know if it it's, was a potential partner though count yourself lucky that you did not yeah. take your pants off yeah totally if this was not a not a guy that you have ever actually done this with then I would not trust him to do it. I mean, basically, to me, in, in fairness, it sounds like a shoddy excuse for, I don't want to go down on you. And honestly, guys that like to go down on women, in my as well as women who like to go down on women, in my experience, are not partial about size. Yeah. <laughs> if, they like to go, if they like going down, they like going down. There's, it's there's, fun down there. There's, there's no, you know, sort of reservations about that. So, you know, I would I would I would give a side eye to anyone who claimed that they were having trouble finding important oral sex related parts like the clit. It makes me respond the same way the whole like gynecology fat vagina thing did, because it's just such bullshit. Yeah. Um, The only other thing I can think of is that some people the like if you have loose skin um, or a significantly sort of hangy belly might obscure easy access in some positions, Mm -hmm. but you can move that shit around. Yeah. And the the person doing the going down can move around too. Yeah. There's lots of, I mean, you don't have to be flat on your back in order to receive oral sex. There's. That's correct. You can be in, (laughs) you can be in lots of different positions. (laughs) I just, the way you, that's correct. Like I won something. (laughs) It's a new car. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, you can you can you can do it standing, you can do it on your back, you can do it on your stomach, you can I mean, you can do it on your side. There's a lot of different ways to improve access. You know, pretty much no matter how you're shaped. You're if you if you're willing to experiment and you have a partner who's willing to experiment and honestly, truly 
advice from your auntie Leslie. If your partner is not yeah. willing to experiment, do not stay with your partner <laughs> because or work really hard. Like if you're married to this person, <laughs> work really hard to try to encourage them to experiment more because your sex life is going to be a lot better if you're both willing to sort of try stuff out and, you know, not be humiliated or horrified if it doesn't work. Um, it's important to note that other people have hangups too, so yeah. they may be a little wary of trying something new. Um, I had an unnamed partner who had an ex-girlfriend who like made fun of him because he didn't do something perfectly the first time, and I still want to like go slap her because she like ruined it for everyone else. Aww. You know, that sort of thing is traumatizing. I mean, mm-hmm. sex is a vulnerable thing for a lot of people, so if you're acting judgy... yeah. That's certainly not going to encourage other people to experiment or try new things. Like it's that's why sometimes it's easier to do it with a long term partner. But really what matters is that you're with a partner that you can trust. And the other thing too to remember is that even if you have a bad experience in the bedroom with whether it's a partner or someone you're just casually fucking, it doesn't have to shatter you any more than, you know, getting, you know, having someone call you a name on the street has to shatter you it's upsetting it's it's it can be very very violating and upsetting particularly because you're in kind of a vulnerable situation but you know you have to you can't let that it's bad to internalize that and make it prevent you from trying whatever that was again if it's oral sex or if it's something else um you got to keep an open mind and realize that you know what Sex takes two or more people. Well, it doesn't take two or more people because you can have really good sex with yourself. That's correct. Yeah. Oh, I won again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we're talking about social situations of sex. So for this, we're talking two or more people. And so if it doesn't work out, it's not just your fault. That means that you were not compatible with the person or person that you were attempting to couple with. So, you know, don't internalize it and think, I fucked up. I suck. My body doesn't work the way it's supposed to. I'm not shaped the way I'm supposed to be. My clit is weird and hidden in a dark cave and no one can reach it. <laughs> it's not you. It's And it doesn't even mean the person that you're sleeping with is terrible. I mean, it just means the two of you may not be compatible in yeah. that way. Or it may need, mean you need to practice. Yeah. Which, you know, um, not being compatible is not necessarily a reason to sever. Not being compatible, you can choose. You can say, I'm gonna, we're going to work on this. And we're going to make it a task <laughs> and, you know, practice lots and lots. And, I mean, I challenge you to find someone who's not into that. But, and, um, I mean, just be, like the movies just cheat us so hardcore. I mean, yeah. it is not – I. there are lots and lots of people who have had awesome first-time sex. And mm-hmm. I don't mean, like, virginal sex. I mean, like, sex for the first time with, with a new partner. Right. Um. You know, and it's cool when that happens, but it doesn't always happen. It's not the default. There's nothing wrong with you if you and your new partner, like, <laughs> you just can't seem to get it together. Mm. It takes a little while to learn other people. Yeah. And again, uh, because you are in, it is such a vulnerable state that, you know, the person you're trying to get it on with may very well be as nervous or, you know, anxious as you are. And, you know, you might be reading that as disinterest or, you know, something else when really it's, you know, sometimes it takes a few times to get it to work. You know, you, you, yeah, you don't you don't necessarily need to be like, oh, I mean, unless you have a really fucking terrible experience. 
but you don't necessarily need to be like, oh, you know, this, this first time or the second time was really not that great. I'm just going to keep looking because yeah. there's always hope for improvement. Yeah. <laughs> practice makes perfect. It's true, and it's fun to practice. It is. Um, I feel that this is a good time to interject that penetrative sex is not the end-all, be-all of sex. Yes. And that the sex you're having should be consensual, not coercive, you know, certainly not rape. You know, you, you want to be in an enthusiastic, yes, let's fuck kind mm-hmm. of situation. Um, and that, you know, penetration, all well and good, but not, not really necessary, mm-hmm. necessarily. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And if you need more um, information on what there is besides penetration, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that over the course of this podcast. But um, Hannah Blank actually has a new version of uh, Big Big Love, which is a whole fucking book about fat people sex. Yes. That's going to be coming out soonish. <laughs> I just realized I don't actually know when it's coming out, but that I think it's specific and helpful. I think it's coming out next year. Um so <laughs> we'll definitely we'll, we'll definitely I'll I'll look up the uh, release date and put it in the show notes. Just you know so what you we know. may need to know when it comes out. We may need to do when it comes out. What? A dramatic reading. Oh, yes, that's a good idea. I love dramatic readings. That's a very good idea. And yeah, no We'll, um, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll try to figure out, I don't know if there is a hard, I think there's like a season, but not a date yet, um, but we'll definitely, I'll put that in the show notes, and, um, you know, y'all can check it out. I actually have the first edition, which has been out of, sadly, out of print for a very long time, and it was really, I mean, I had read a lot of more political, um, sort of, not that Big Big Love isn't political, it's very political, but I had read more sort of, you know, fat acceptance 101 type stuff and then I get to big big love and I read that and I was like oh my god (laughs) like somebody has thought really deeply about fat people having sex and it is it's called this I mean the original subtitle I think was a source book for people of size and the people who love them or something like that and it's it's incredibly sort of thorough it's incredibly uh well thought out it's incredibly detailed like everything that you can possibly imagine yeah. is included in this book. So I'm really, if you can't already tell, I'm really excited about the new uh, version coming out. Yeah. Um, there is also, a, I guess, an anthology that she edited called Zaftig Well-Rounded Erotica. Yes. Um, that, you know, if you're looking for a slightly different kind of source book, I would also recommend. Yes. So. That's, that's, that's a different kind of source book. Well, I mean, why not read sexy stories about fatties getting it on? Can we actually have just a moment to talk about jerking your own self off? Absolutely. It also uh, relates to a Twitter question that came in. Nice. Um, I love it when the segues work. Do you think body shame factors heavily into whether or not women self-pleasure religious or not? I think it probably does. Oh, hell yeah. If you can't even comfortably be naked with yourself, you're mm. certainly not going to be investigating your area. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that um, masturbation is incredibly necessary to having good sex with other people. Yeah. Um, that may sound really sort of, well, 
duh. But believe it or not, there are a lot of folks who actually have never thought of it that way. There's that, you this, know, do you remember the part in Fried Green Tomatoes where Kathy Bates goes to like the women's group and they want her to look at her vagina? I've never actually seen Fried Green Tomatoes. So. Okay, well, that's a part of the movie. <laughs> it's vagina-looking. Nice. Well, everybody gets a little hand mirror. And, mm-hmm. I mean, one of one of the sort of things that's meant to illustrate is that women don't know what their own genitals look like. Right. We know what the genitals in porn look like. Yeah. Which don't generally look like, you know, your own personal junk. Mm-hmm. But it's a good idea to... I don't know. Have an understanding of your own operating system. Yeah. Yeah. And the best way to do that is to make yourself come a whole lot a few times a week if possible. Yes. That's that's Dr. Leslie's prescription. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Dr. Leslie. <laughs> but yeah, I mean and it's just honestly it's it's you know if if it, I can't I kind of can't stress it enough. That, you know, just experiment and try it out and you're doing it by yourself. So it's not like you have to worry about anybody laughing at you and you don't have to worry about offending anyone. You can do whatever you want. And that's the best way to figure out how everything works for you, because the reality is, like you were talking about non-penetrative sex, um, not everyone works the same way. And there are some people who are successful in some methods and some people who are successful in others. And sometimes, you know, what works for one person absolutely is abhorrent to another. And you can't figure all of that out unless you, you know, literally play with yourself and and, and experiment and see what you dig. Well, it's called playing with yourself for a good reason. Yeah. And, I, you know, I just want to be sort of clear and explicitly state that there's nothing wrong with your fat body. It deserves pleasure, too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes people think they don't deserve it, but you absolutely deserve orgasms. Yeah. If you're interested in them. If you have no interest in orgasms, that is also cool. Um, But if you you are, you know, they're there for the taking. Yeah. And uh, it, it's 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 fair to note that there are people who aren't interested, and that's that's okay too. Yeah. I tend to think of it like this is a naturally occurring phenomenon, not unlike going to the fucking bathroom. Yeah. And you're totally like you don't have to hold pee forever. <laughs> you can go to the bathroom if you need to. <laughs> and I sort of you know it's a terrible analogy, but it it sort of works in the similar way. If you want to. You know, if you want to come and if you want to have that experience, you can go ahead and do that. And you don't need to feel shamed about it because there's literally, seriously, there is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of because the vast majority of people in this fucking planet will masturbate at one point or another. And people in relationships do it. Oh, yeah. God, It is not like some mysterious thing that only single people do. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think that masturbating while in a relationship is actually really important. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that's don't think that just because you're getting laid regularly, oh, I don't need to, you know, do this anymore. If you like it, keep doing it. (laughs) It can also be a really fun thing to do with your partner. Exactly. And it's not like you're going to run out of orgasms. It's not a finite resource. (laughs) Unlike oil, there's always more. Those damn fossil fuels. It's so true. 
it's it's important to be able to tell your partner or to demonstrate to your partner what it is that you like. Mm-hmm. And it can also be a, a really hot thing. I mean, yeah. there's a thing going around on Tumblr right now that's basically, you know, I'm tired of being told my confidence is sexy because my rack is sexy too. Mm-hmm. And yes, like physical attributes, totally sexy. But the thing that always gets me with a partner is like their sort of sexual self-assurance. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're with somebody who knows what they like, that's awesome. That's completely awesome. And there's few things more. There's few things more awesome than that when you're, you know, having good times with someone. Because if if you're with someone who doesn't know, it's like it's like a game of memory. <laughs> like, you know, you're turning over one card and you're looking for the match, but they're all face down. So you just have to keep flipping over cards and hoping you get the right one. And, that's a you know, good analogy <laughs> I like it. and you know I mean if, if they know they can be like oh the card is over here <laughs> and everyone is happy with that arrangement I remember where the clitoris is it's right there <laughs> yeah or the prostate or mm-hmm. the, the whatever the hot button is whatever for you like yeah and yeah. you can have more than one yes. that's okay too Yes. You can have as many as you want. Yeah. So, <laughs> so did you say everything you wanted to say about masturbation? I think so. I think um, just do it a lot, everyone. I if you want really to, cheated. but not if you don't want to. Yeah. I feel really cheated that there are all of these great euphemisms for male masturbation, but not for when women do it. There was a chart um, that I saw on the Internet not long ago that... Um, collected popular ones my problem is more not so much that there are because there are some there are some some damn creative female masturbation euphemisms it's that they tend to be kind of cutesy yeah and i like the more aggressive sounding male ones which is why i tend to you know talk about jerking off or beating off or whatever with you know no regard for what the genitalia involved may be because i like that's that probably says something about me. <laughs> do you but remember? I prefer, do you, no, I prefer the aggressive, you know, the aggressive language. So please continue. Do you remember a cartoon on Nickelodeon called Rocco's Modern Life? Uh, vaguely, yeah. I think I was a little old for it, but I remember it being on. Rocco was a wallaby. He worked for a toad. Um, and one day, Mr. Bighead came over because he wanted Rocco and his friends, who were a turtle and a cow, um, to join his bowling league. And he's explaining this to Rocco at the door, and Rocco says, no thanks, we're already playing a game. And it flashes to the inside, where his friends are sitting around a table where there's a board game, and in the center of the board, there's a spinner with a monkey that's kind of bent over with its ass in the air, and his friends are holding paddles. And the visual joke is that they're playing Spank the Monkey, <laughs> which I have thought is like the height of humor for years. I don't know if there's ever going to be a visual joke that tops that for me. <laughs> but that's why Spanking the Monkey is, is my really, personal favorite. You have no idea. Song. Throughout that whole story, I was wondering, where the fuck is she going with this? <laughs> No, they're playing Spank the Monkey. monkey. It's funny. So if they're sitting around a table in a circle doing it, wouldn't that also be a circle jerk? Totally would. There's (laughs) layers of humor. (laughs) 
And it's a kid's show. Thanks for spoiling that, Marianne. <laughs> no layers of humor. It's true. Layers, like an ogre. An ogre is layered? Did you not see Shrek? Oh, uh, actually, yeah, no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, ogres have layers like onions. Okay. And Rocky right, well, says parfait, but I prefer the ogre analogy. Um, now that I've completely <laughs> nerded out, sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> and even though this is me and my life and my mouth, people still want to have sex with me. So it <laughs> can happen for you. <laughs> yes, our next question or I don't even know if I can call it a question. Comes from Hannah. Mm-hmm. Hey, so why is it that even after I demonstrate, people don't believe fat women can get on top without hurting their partner? That's what I really want to know. I mean, I give them proof with my own personal body. <laughs> and still, the stupid, it burns. <laughs> we totally have so, yeah. dramatic reading. <laughs> Hello, dramatic greetings. Yeah. They're awesome. We have to make I think date. that also relates to the multitude of, are there any good positions? Does anybody else have a hard time in certain positions? All, all of the sort of position questions that came in. Yeah. Um, there is no one true position. No. It's completely There's, heavily dependent on where your fat is. Dependent on where your fat is and what your preferred, if you're going for it, angle of penetration is and what feels good for you and, like, what your body is able to do. I was thinking more Um, in terms of initial access. I think Yeah, well, that's part of it, too. Um, But I think there are accommodations that can be made Mm -hmm. for, for certain things as well, depending on how comfortable people are using, I don't know like yoga blocks mm-hmm. to to sort of help with positioning and some things or, you know, some of the various and sundry sex straps that are available. Um, you know, there's, there's toys for this. Props. And Props. they're not even, they're not even really so much. I wouldn't even necessarily call them toys because I know toys. <laughs> well, there's but tools and then there's, there's tools. Toys. Yeah, there's tools. And I feel like, you know, a lot of times, fat women in particular are reluctant to consider stuff like a wedge pillow or, you know, stuff that sort of props them in in various, you know, angles and things such that sex can be a little more easily accomplished. Um, And I think that there's a lot of embarrassment for that. Like, you know, well, if I was built, quote unquote, normally, then we wouldn't need this. That's actually bullshit. A lot of people of various, you know, shapes and sizes use props. Um, They generally are people who really, really have great sex. And I think that the thing to remember is whatever props are necessary in order to have amazing fucking sex, the person that you're having that sex with is not going to complain about the use of the props (laughs) because they will be so satisfied with the end result that they will say every single time, hey, let's bring out the wedge pillow. (laughs) You know, let's get those straps out. (laughs) I think it's funny that we have different terminology because I think of props as being set dressing. Versus tools, which are, you know, slightly more practical in, in, like, physical use. I'm actually thinking of props more in, like, the yoga class sense, because you Mm -hmm. mentioned yoga blocks, which, you know, are also tools. 
So we're we're both yeah. right. <laughs> Whereas for me, props would be like, well, okay, fine. Um, I, I spent a lot of time hanging out at like fetish clubs and that sort of thing. So my language comes more from that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that that's a pretty localized thing anyway. Um, so it would be, you know, like the 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 beam that you're strapped to, mm-hmm. you know. Um, whereas the flogger would be a tool. Right. It would be costumes, that sort of thing would be props. Right. Interesting. Well, because then you're setting up a scene. And yeah. in, in a scene, because that is more theater-like, it would make sense that props in that context would mean, wouldn't mean necessarily mean tools. That would mean, you know, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. So that's, that's where my sort of, like, terminology base comes from. I gotcha. Yeah. And see, it is possible to talk about these things without it being like a creepy, sexy conversation. Oh, yeah. And without it being an embarrassing conversation. I I'm mean, to- it's, it's I'm, a thing. I'm totally not turned on at all right now, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> it's not because I don't have deep love for Marianne. I'm just, you know, not there. <laughs> I'm going to go cry into my pillow. This rejection cannot stand. <sighs> but Except- that's... It's fine, it's, whatever. It's okay to say no. It is. <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm a grudge holder. <laughs> I've held grudges for years. And I hold grudges against, like, inanimate things, like restaurants. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, I have no grudge. I'm mm-hmm. cool. Okay. And I feel, comp- I feel like I'm sort of, like, obligated to say that I'm, I'm, not that into you either. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you can't see the giant um, candy cane that I've been sucking on the whole time that we're talking. Props. <laughs> <laughs> if you could see it, yeah, you'd be all done. <laughs> I feel like somewhere this whole segment is going to make someone very uncomfortable. I'm sure. <laughs> and I apologize for that. I don't it, apologize. It'd be cool, well, I man. apologize for their discomfort, but not for our, like, enjoyment of the conversation and that we think it's funny as hell. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's sex. It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's fluidy and squishy and penises are just hysterical. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry, guys, they are. They totally and, are. I and don't if like you don't, them if, any less, but if you don't know it, then just accept the reality of it. That you know, like penises are, are ridiculous. Are more elegant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we have had the sort of like efficiency of design conversation before. Yes, we have. Yes, we absolutely um, have. And it's not that penises and balls are not totally pleasant things. Balls is just the funniest word ever. Balls. <laughs> testiculars <laughs> it's not that they're not totally awesome wonderful you know fantastic things to to enjoy and and adore um it's just that sometimes like when you you know walk across the room and you're naked and it's flopping around it does look really funny it's true <laughs> it just destroys the whole like symmetry thing as well sorry men's <laughs> Oh, I hope nobody gets a complex after hearing that. I mean, it's not like I like them any less. I think they're charming. You have to be able to laugh. I mean, I'm all flabby and floppy when I walk around, you know, so. 
It's all relative, man. It's all good. Um, I do want to sort of address the question, which is why don't women believe they can be on top when they're fat? I think we have this sort of outrageous fear of crushing our partners Uh because of all the jokes in childhood that, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, you're going to sit on them and crush them. There's actually also cultural... um, stories that go back literal decades like fatty arbuckle i mean that that his his career was destroyed pretty much yeah. because a you, know, you should a story, probably relate that story a story which I, I i i read a fantastic analysis of it in grad school and I, so my, my memory is a little dim but basically the the long and short of it was that he apparently was having sex with a woman who was either an an aspiring actress or a prostitute and he physically crushed her to death, um, Fatty Arbuckle being fat, hence the name. Fatty. And And it was this great big scandal, and it pretty much, and he was a very successful comedic actor, and um, after that it pretty much destroyed his whole career, uh, when he did not actually crush this woman so far as we know. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's an important part of the story. But that was that was how... You know, that it got related that, you know, he he murdered, I mean, you know, or at least, you know, sort of manslaughter, I guess, um, was the result of this woman's death simply by having sex with her. And, you know, that is that good. That was, I think, the 30s or 40s. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. But, you know, that also, I mean, that just, I'm only bringing it up because that's one example going back decades and decades that is still, you know, even back then, this was this was thought of as something that could happen. That yeah. you could, you know, you, a fat person having sex with someone would be capable of crushing them to death. And you, honestly, you'd have, basically, you'd have to be trying really hard. And even if you were trying really hard, odds are you would not succeed. Like, you would have to, I don't even know what you would have to do. But you would have to, like, totally, like, Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. I mean, is it possible to actually crush someone? I I feel like it really isn't. I feel like it isn't. I mean, unless you drop a piano on them, but you're not a yeah. piano. No, you're not. And you don't have the sort of momentum. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you were falling from the top of a building, you could do some serious damage to someone. But maybe in that case, you, were... you would also be damaged because you were falling from the top of a building. Maybe if you were falling from the top of a building while holding a piano. <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> acceleration and mass being what they are. Terminal velocity. <laughs> it depends on how high the building is. Yeah. But, I mean, seriously. This is not something to worry totally about. Totally hypothetical situation. You know, you're in the sex swing and it falls for some reason. You're not going to do serious damage to yourself. Why would you think you were going to do serious damage to the person underneath you? I actually know someone who broke her tailbone falling from a sex swing, so that might be a bad example. The tailbone, well, the tailbone is such a, it's, it seems really easy to break. <laughs> but it's also really, really painful. I so believe it. If you're, I mean, the, the moral to that story is if you're using a sex swing, just make sure it's it's really securely yeah. bolted. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, thing. no. Nobody you, wants you might, to fall out of their hammock. And the, the fact of the matter is, even if you fell on someone, you're not going to kill them. No. You know, if I fell, and I'm pretty fucking fat, if I fell on a child, the child is probably going to be terrified and screaming. <laughs> but the child's not going to be dead. I mean, you know, and that's a much smaller individual. 
So if I'm, you know, having consenting sex with another adult, even if the adult is relatively small and I'm flinging myself at them, I'm not going to kill them. I mean, that's just not how it works. I mean, for one thing, in order to kill them, you'd probably have to suffocate them because you're not going to crush their pelvis just by getting on top yeah. of them. And it's in order such, to... <laughs> it's such a long-running joke. I was... I. I, wa- I watched Fantasia the other day because of you, and oh, I remember yeah. it when, like, her alligator boyfriend lifts her, mm-hmm. and then she falls on him, and then mm-hmm. he lifts her back up. Yeah. Like, it's just a stereotypical visual gag. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if Eddie Murphy is dressing in drag and wearing a fat suit, he, he's going to crush somebody. Yeah. If Martin Lawrence or anybody else who dresses in a fat suit, shallow how, then, you know, that's going to... That's going to be one of the gags. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is why it is so hard for women to believe, even if there is a demonstration, that they're not going to smush their partner. I I guarantee, like I would actually create an insurance policy for this, that you can get on top of your partner and bounce away and you're not going to kill them. It's true. You can bounce away for hours and you're not going to kill them. That you might, and if you don't believe me, then try it. <laughs> you might kill them, but not because you're fat. Not, not in a well or for yeah. hours. Like I just, that's a long time, and sometimes <laughs> my area gets sore. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. <laughs> Where are we anyway? <laughs> You're not going to crush anyone by fucking them as a fat person. That's that's the the, the takeaway message there. Exactly. And if you are con- like if you're still afraid of that, use props. Yeah. Use tools. Um straddle them on the couch. I do want to note too that um I think sometimes I'm worried about crushing my partner is actually code for I'm worried about being on top because you can totally see everything. And it jiggles. And it jiggles and bounces a lot. And it's not, if you're lying on your back, things sort of, like, slide. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's you've got gravity working in your favor. Whereas if you're on top, you're, you know, not that, you know, gravity is in your favor or against you in any normal circumstance. But insofar as making your fat slide backward um, when you're on your back versus when you're on top or leaning over, your fat is sliding into the person that you're doing it, it occurred to me that you do not have this experience. When I lay on my back, my boobs sort of, sl- like, gravity actually is a pain in my ass because my boobs kind of move to the side. Oh, yeah, no, that's not you a problem. I sort of of the freedom of motion of my arms. Plus, then they're really far apart for purposes of attention. So that's really interesting. That's yeah. Because that's totally, I mean, obviously, I'd for for anyone who doesn't know, because you don't listen very often, Marianne has great big boobs. I have really tiny boobs. So we we constantly have these moments where we're like, wow, yeah, our breast experiences are so different. It's true. So while you're all like, yeah, I'm on my back and gravity's not doing anything to my boobs, I'm like, yeah, I'm on my back and my boobs are like a foot apart. And <laughs> Well, the other thing... I gotta if, move them back. If you are worried about being seen, um, my advice which I don't even think I invented but I think it's pretty obvious is that anyone who has gotten that far with you is not going to get up and walk away because you get on top and they're like oh there's some fat rolls there if they've gotten to that if they've gotten to that point and you're naked and you're on top of them they're not going to be like you know what I decline to complete this act (laughs) 
It's not going to happen. Um, so, if, go ahead. If you are looking for something to help you feel more comfortable in that way, um, while I would not suggest it as a long-term solution, you don't have to be naked if you're no, on top. You, you could not. be wearing, like, a complete and total outfit minus sans underpants. Yeah. Because that's kind of sexy fun times, too. And there's also all kinds of lingerie that with, you know, cut out boobs and stuff. So maybe you feel like you're exposed enough for attention, but maybe you're a little more covered up in your, you know, areas that you might be less confident about. Yeah. And like you said, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend that as a long term forever thing, um, because ideally, ideally, we want you to be comfortable with yourself, but ass naked with all the lights on. Um, yeah, bouncing like away happily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that's the ultimate goal. But if you need stepping stones, then you know there are things that you can do to get you to that point. And and those things can be worked into your sex life in a really sexy way. I mean, the disparity between someone who's fully clothed and someone who is naked can be a really hot contrast. Uh huh. And. It, it can be progressive. I mean, if you just want to keep your bra on because you're worried about your boobs flying everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> there Which are pr- many I mean, that's... people who enjoy the aesthetics of lingerie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that can even be a practical concern yeah. as much as a modest one, because, you know, if if bouncing makes your boobs hurt, like running might, you might, you know, it's OK. You, yeah, it, you might, you know, it's totally OK to keep your bra on. Yeah. Um, related to that, mm-hmm. uh, the, there are ways you can ease into comfort with all of this. You just have to find something that works for you. You don't have to, like, go whole hog all at once. <laughs> you said whole hog. I did say whole hog. I've been oh. trying to work it into conversations lately. <laughs> I really enjoy it as a phrase. Ah, that was awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, positions, there are lots of them. I, I think it's pretty commonly assumed that fatty can't have sex in, like, the big spoon, little spoon position. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just, you got to, like, bend a little more. and You just figure it out. I mean, that's yeah. ultimately the thing. There is, it's, it's, it's hard, it's difficult to say that there's any position that is off limits because most of them can be modified whatever the position is, it can be modified to suit you. And the reality is you don't need to feel like shit about having to make modifications because everybody has to make modifications sometimes. Well, that's what I wanted to say is that you're not modifying a quote-unquote normal sexual position that then people can achieve. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing. No. There's there's just, you know, the way that you have sex. Mm -hmm. And you... You may like positions that other people think are, you know, weird, and that's totally okay. I mean, it's about getting to a place where, you know, you're you're finding your happy spot. And it's it's really interesting, I think, to talk to people about these things because it gives you sort of that normalization. Mm-hmm. I mean, A, we don't really talk about fat people having sex all that often, Um you know, it's a conversation I seem to be having a lot lately on my blog, but it's a good conversation to have. I had a conversation with some friends, you know, and found out, you know, one of my favorite positions, another friend finds kind of objectifying and demeaning. So mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, you find these things out and it's really yeah. interesting. 
And if anything is uncomfortable or you don't like it, you get to say, you know what, I don't like this. Yeah. Let's try something else. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a fight. It can just be, hey, you know, let's let's shift because this is making me feel weird. And and a partner, even if it's just a fuck buddy, yeah. a partner needs to be okay with that and needs to say, absolutely, I we will shift until, you know, we are both contented. And well, the right person is going to be glad they're having sex with you. And they're going to want to do the things that encourage you to have sex with them some more. Absolutely. And laughing at you or belittling you or making you feel bad doesn't encourage you to have sex with them again. Totally. You know, if you're with someone who's a dickhead, you don't have to have sex with them again. Speaking of dickheads, I would like to put in a good word for sex toys. Oh, hell yeah. Because they're not only useful for loving yourself, they're also awesome with a partner or partners. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly like if you, for uh, an example, if you are into penetrative sex, but it's hard for you to orgasm from that, it's okay to bring in a vibrator to help you do that. Yeah. Um, you need to, I mean, obviously if you're, if you're, you know, your partner may be threatened by that, but if, you know, there's a way you can have that conversation and make it clear that, you know, this is going to be hot and awesome and everything is going to work out great. So, you know, that's what you got to do. Yeah. And there are attachments, um, <laughs> I guess, is is the best way to put it. Like, there's cock rings with little vibrators on them. And that's fun for the whole family. Not yes. the whole family, but the adult members of the family. Yeah. Um, there's, there, there's, like, a mega store here called Fair Villa. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to just go wander and see what's available because, A... It cuts down on embarrassment, mm-hmm. and B, it sort of opens up the possibilities. If you don't have a local mega store, there's uh, there's there's several great sites that we can link to that all deliver in discreet packaging. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's fun to work these things into your sex life, whether it's your your solo sex life or you know, with, with whoever. Um, I also want to put in a plug for like kinky sex. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing that means it. Like if you like to be spanked, you're not a bad person. No, it doesn't mean you were abused as a child. Does that even count as kinky these days? I, I don't know. I mean, they're doing <laughs> it in Harlequin romance novels. A yeah. <laughs> Although in Harlequin romance novels, they also refer every single time to male masturbation as taking himself in hand. <laughs> That's terrible. It's so bad. And everybody in romance novels is really opposed to jerking off. Like they they valiantly don't do it until lust for the potential partner drives them to it. Ooh. That's which that's, Yeah, like you, you like like I said, like you know, this is a finite resource and you only get so much of it and you don't want to yeah. use it all up. Yes, because if you jerk off on Tuesday, you're never going to get laid that weekend. Oh, well, oh that makes no sense. So, <laughs> but but there is a whole wide world of things that I think our culture considers, you know, I don't know, kinky, well, not vanilla, whatever. And I and, think and those for, are those are fun things too. I think too it's worth noting that um the concept of what is deviant and what is not is also sort of a historically changing thing that, you know, we have this idea that 
you know, like say around the turn of the century, sex was like completely vanilla and 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 nobody did anything except like missionary position and women didn't know how to have orgasms and we have this idea of it being like the sexual dark ages which is bullshit because it just you know the way we talk about it culturally has changed but the actual acts and the things that people were doing has not changed there's there's a the There's Victorians an, were some kinky, kinky assholes, man. They seriously were. And I was just about to say, there's a, a, a novel or a journal or a diary. I don't, they, they're not sure if it's, you know, fact or fiction. And I think it's called My Secret Life. And it's written by Anonymous that, you yeah. know, we don't know the name of the person. And it's, it's basically this guy who went on to protest very effectively. <laughs> <laughs> this does, yeah, really. He's he's a busy guy. Um, this guy around, you know, in Victoria, or, girl, or other, exactly. Um, but he went on to, uh, you know, write this this accounting of these crazy ass escapades that he had on a near daily basis. And I mean, this is perverted shit. I mean, really perverted shit. Well, and I don't mean per- I, I mean, don't it's mean, not like it's, I don't it's, mean. Sorry, I just want to really quick say I don't mean perverted in a judgmental negative way. Um, I'm just using it as a, a descriptor because I know yeah. I'm sure somebody would be like, hey, and like, no, no, no. I mean perverted in like the good way. Yeah. Um, it's impressive. It's really impressive. And, and you know, yeah, like there's, the, you know, there, there's other examples throughout history of this. So, you know, let's. I think that, you know, we have these ever-changing concepts of what is quote-unquote normal sex and what is kinky sex, and we really kind of need to just have an open mind that you know, there, we never know what we're going to like until we try it. Exactly. So view it as play, get to know your area mm-hmm. and use toys on it. That's very mm-hmm. useful for, for also for positioning purposes. If you've used toys on yourself and you, you learned the angles Literally. The angle of approach is very important. And if you've done this before with a detachable cock, you know, then it makes it that much easier to do it with a real human who has yeah. a cock. So that's also... Or a, good... a human who's wearing a cock or well, I said has a cock. I didn't yeah. say, you know, was born with a cock. Yeah. Has a cock um, can mean lots of things. <laughs> possesses some cockular... Owns a cock. <laughs> Chicken owners of the world are feeling very uncomfortable. <laughs> Um, two other things, um, when I did a recent blog post about fatty sex, strap-ons were a big topic. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be hard to find, uh, harnesses. like harnesses yeah. in larger sizes. And that's an issue too. There's like the little clitoral vibrators that like sit right there. They're like the butterfly or whatever. Right. Um, Sometimes you can you you can rig something up yourself, but there are some custom vendors, and there were a couple of vendors who were recommended in the comments of that post, and I'll track those down so we can link to them as well. And uh, I forget what the second thing was. I don't know. I All don't right. know either. <laughs> a moment of oh, silence. I do know. I do know. <laughs> oh, okay, go for it. I was going to ask you a question. Ah. Yes, because we have talked about fat identity as a queer identity before. Mm -hmm. Do you think that fat sex is queer sex? 
Um, I think it can be. I, I don't necessarily think it is by default. Yeah. Um, I think that when I talk about that as a queering influence, it tends to be more of like a like a cultural and a social yeah. phenomenon rather than a, you know, in two or more individuals together kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think that sex that explicitly accounts for and even enjoys and exploits fatness is queer because that's not, I mean, you know, socially we're, we're very particularly women, we're very much trained to be embarrassed of roles and be yeah. embarrassed of, you know, the sexual possibilities of anything other than our tits or our vulva. Um, if, if you're using other parts of your body for that, it sort of automatically becomes queer and or kinky. Yeah. And but I'm I'm hesitant to say that that fat sex is always yeah. queer sex just because it it I think that I think that it's very easy for fat people to have very dull straightforward vanilla yeah. sex. <laughs> well, that's sort of that's sort of what I was mulling over and why I asked you because I think that you know, we talk about it in terms of identity. If we want to talk about it in terms of sexual identity, what does mm -hmm. that mean? Because I was sitting here thinking about, like, how, as a fat person, I have felt less confined by standardized sex, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, the sex that Cosmo wants me to have. Right. And I think part of that is, you know, having spent a great deal of time going to like fetish clubs and that sort of thing and being involved in a, in a scene that is not about shame, mm -hmm. that is about like open experimentation and that sort of thing. But I was sitting here going like, well, should we talk about anal? Yeah. And, and then sort of thinking about the way Lady Mags cast that as this extreme activity. Mm -hmm. And Which it's so it's not, it happens a lot. Yeah. Lots of people do it, and people that you never ever thought would have done it are but doing sex it. sex is a good time. Yeah. Well, um, it depends. Yeah, it, it can depends. be a good time. And I think that that's also, not to get too self-disclosive, I am not a person who enjoys it. Mm -hmm. And I've done it the right way. <laughs> I've patiently followed all the rules. <laughs> and... And there are, I mean, there is a meticulous, if this is something you're interested in, there is a meticulous set of, of things that you have to keep in mind. And I, it's just not something that does anything for me. And yet I have friends who are batshit over it. And I yeah. think that's awesome. But I think that's I another. Think it's a, I think it's a fab fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that, no I mean, but that's, that's a good example, though, of something that. You know, if you if there's something that you're you decide that you feel like you've given it a fair chance and you just don't like it, it's okay to not like it. It doesn't make you yeah. square. It doesn't make you frigid. Uh, if no. you don't like penetrative sex at all, that's okay too. Doesn't make you frigid and it doesn't make you a, a terrible lay. You you know you got It also doesn't make you asexual. Like the only exactly. thing that makes you asexual is. A lack of interest like, in, in, in penetrative sex, which is, yeah, no. Or sex in general, not penetrative specifically, mm -hmm. but sex in general. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to tie asexuality just to penetrative sex. Right. Um, well, no, what I was going to say of... is, what I was going to say is just not being interested in sex that is penetrative specifically does not make you asexual. Right. 
that yes. alone does not make you asexual. So that, is- that doesn't, yeah, so that's, you know, you like what you like and you got to figure that out. And there's there's nothing there to be ashamed of. I mean, as long as you're not hurting anyone, as long as you are doing everything consensually. Yeah. Um, I think in some ways, like, what you do in the bedroom is is divorced from politics. I mean, sometimes it is not. Um, sometimes what you're doing in the bedroom is because of social pressure right. or, you know... The, somebody today said to grease the wheels of of marriage compatibility, yeah, or congeniality or whatever. And I mean, those sorts of things I I think happen for reasons that are political. Mm-hmm. But if you are dressing up in pigtails and a school girl school girl skirt, the, go for it. Have fun. Yeah. 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 Oh, the other thing was um, the other question that came in was sources of sexy lingerie. I am so bad at this because you know what? I and I know that you and I differ here. I don't give a fuck about sexy lingerie. And I'm coming out on this issue because I know it's it's not something that is often (laughs) expressed. I don't give a shit about pretty bras or underpants or any of the fancy schmancy shit that you get on like hips and curves dot com. Um. I literally, for one thing, I'm I'm old and married, and, you know, my husband has no interest. My husband's only interest in what I'm wearing is how quickly it can come off. Right. And so it's not even like, you know, he has any sort of investment. And I've never, I, I seriously, it's it's like, it's like, it's like having to go through like a big, you know, raging sound tunnel in order to get to the sex act for me. Like, no, I like no. props. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I don't want all this fussy shit happening. I just want to get to to the 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 actual business of having sex. And yeah, you know, and I'm not dissing people who like it. I think it's awesome if you like it. And yes, it makes you are. Happy. You're judging me. I'm not, but this is the fact is I have apparent I think I have 14 bras. Every single one of them is a black cotton um plunge from Lane Bryant. And I have probably 20 something pairs of underwear. Every single one is black cotton high cut uh bikini things that's it we're doing laundry for an upcoming holiday trip so mm-hmm. i'm looking at a pile of my underpants right now i and bet it's a like, rainbow <laughs> it is it's like skittles <laughs> taste, some of them have polka dots rainbow <laughs> of of underpants <laughs> pleasure <laughs> so sources of underpants um lane bryant you know say as much as I sometimes hate to participate in, like, the big corporate fashion thing. Cacique is a fucking sexy line for mm-hmm. a lot of different sizes. And they often put underwire in their little teddies, which is essential for me. Um, you know, if you're at the mall and you need a bustier real quick, they are a quick source. And who hasn't been there? <laughs> it happens. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I don't know what you do on your Saturday nights, but anyway. <laughs> I admit, it's rare that I've been like, oh, shit, I need a bustier in 15 minutes. <laughs> okay, it's happened to me. <laughs> um, I think at this point, the sort of mainstream plus-size stores like Avenue, Lane Bryant, 
that sort of thing, mm. have gotten a little more on the underpants bandwagon. Yeah. So there are a lot of options there. Don't discount them. Um, if you are smaller fat, Fredericks of Hollywood actually has a, a pretty decent, like, smaller fat size range online. And most of the stores don't carry them in store, but you can get some hot stuff at Fredericks. And and it's worth noting, too, there are fucking scads of plus-size lingerie sites. I think, honestly, that there are more plus-size lingerie clothing sites on mm-hmm. the Internet than there are actual clothes. Yes. So if you literally go into Google and you type plus-size lingerie, you're going to get a bazillion fucking responses. If now you we go to eBay and yeah. type plus-size lingerie, you're going to get a bazillion new with tags from actual business vendors, yeah. all sorts of stuff. And, I mean, everything from leather corsetry to latex skirts and, you know, crotchless panties can be had on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, hips and curves has some really cool stuff if you're if you're wanting to go with something a little more branded, something a little less skeevy mm-hmm. um, than buying from an anonymous underpants site online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not tried any of their stuff for, for a long time. I some of a little instant as far as fit. Mm-hmm. But a woman on my live journal just posted pictures of like this totally killer like bustier and tulle skirt set that she got. And I'm like, I fucking want that. Awesome. So, yeah. So, I mean, there are resources. You know, don't overlook eBay. There really is some good stuff there. Ignore the pictures. Inevitably, it's a thin woman with big tits. Mm-hmm. It's it's marketing. What you really want is the me- the product measurements. Right. Um. There, there's lots of stuff. Sometimes you can make things. Torrid has also kind of upped its lingerie game. I've noticed lately that they have like they have a lot more sort of cat suits um, and, and other sort of fun non-day-to-day stuff. The stuff, actually... the stuff at Torrid falls more into the ruffly category a lot of times. They have mm-hmm. some really cute things. Yeah. Um, and as with anything else, don't be afraid to try bras on. Um, while you should wear the same size in bras across lines and styles, you probably aren't going to. Yeah. Um, which is such bullshit because it's based on measurements. But, you know, try the shit on. Figure out, like, what you wear, in which style, in which maker. Find something that makes you feel sexy. Go for it. And that's, that's you know, ultimately the key to being successful at fucking is yeah. to feel awesome about yourself and to feel sexy and to feel like you're into this and and you know we've mentioned the concept of sort of enthusiastic consent a few times and that is incredibly sexy that itself is you know knowing what you want and being willing to go after it for for those who don't have like a solid definition enthusiastic consent is more than no means no it's that you you want to be with a partner who is actively, affirmatively engaged, mm-hmm. not just somebody who isn't saying no. You want to be with somebody who's saying yes. Right. Do me or whatever. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think I we think have, we've yeah, I, I think, think we've covered it. <laughs> we've pretty well covered it, I would say, which is good because we're coming up on our our hour 45 minute mark. <laughs> oh, my. 
<laughs> so, yeah, this is another epic um, fat cast with lots and uh, I think this is probably the least work safe episode that we have done. I don't, we didn't even like say fuck all that much. I said fuck a lot. I guess you did. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, so I'll put a big old n- not safe for work tag on <laughs> this one. <laughs> Just to, you know, or at least, I mean, it's safe for work if you have headphones, I guess. Yeah, you, you know. probably don't want to be, like, sitting there with your kindergarten class. And you don't want to, you know, hear Marianne and I shouting about our clits. I didn't <laughs> shout. Well, we're both kind of loud. So. It's true. It's so true. <laughs> All right, you have been listening to the sexy fat cast. I mm-hmm. am Leslie Kinzel. I am Marianne Kirby. Woo! Thanks for listening. <laughs>